You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Please take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 3. As we keep going through this wonderful book, showing us radical grace, what we're discovering is, you know, Paul is now in chapter 3. He is tunneling us further and further into radical grace. We're seeing the implications of God's mercy and this unparalleled cause and effect relationship of Jesus plus nothing giving us everything. And this is in the midst of the Galatians being told that, and they're even starting to believe that you do need to be circumcised to be accepted before God. If you really wanna be righteous, yeah, you need Jesus, but you need this too. And this causes Paul to haul off and write the clearest dissection, explanation, and application of radical grace here in Galatians. And what we see now is Paul shows us another angle for us that we really need to understand God's radical grace. And it's here in Galatians 3. We'll begin in verse 10. So as we do every week, please stand together for the reading of God's word, because today we're about to discover what it really means to be hashtag blessed. In verse 10, our brother Paul tells us by the Holy Spirit, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Because it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now, it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is, because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us. Help us discover what it means to no longer be cursed, to be blessed by your mercy. Help us to discover and to really loom and weave into our hearts the radical nature of the righteous live by faith. Help us now, King Jesus. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I recently heard a story about an explosion that happened at a secret nuclear silo in Arkansas. As you can imagine, not ideal situation for an explosion. The whole bunker exploded. The warhead didn't go off, obviously, or we'd all be seeing the effects if a nuclear warhead went off, but it totally could have. What happened was the, all the rocket fuel in this active rocket exploded. <laughs> all because two guys were working on the rocket, as they usually do, but they forgot the one tool they needed, specifically designed to work on the rocket. And they tried to just get by with what they had. And they ended up dropping the socket. And the socket doesn't weigh like a couple of grams, like sockets we use. This socket weighed 15 pounds. And he's handing it off to the other guy. The guy drops it. And then dink, 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 dink. And they heard, and they knew right away, 
this is bad. That little socket had, little socket, 15 pound socket had pierced. It reached maximum velocity, boom, 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 pierced the side of the rocket, spraying fuel, nuclear rocket fuel everywhere. And then kaboom, whole bunker exploded. So much concrete chunks the size of school buses flying in the air. Catastrophic. But you know what is even more catastrophic is relying on ourselves to be righteous before God. Trying to make do with what we have to be righteous before God is a catastrophe because our works are not designed to save us. We cannot get by with what we have. Our morality, our obedience, our doing It's just not meant to be trusted as a source of righteousness. This is where Paul takes us in verse 10, where he's pointing out to us, what do you rely on? Look at verse 10. For all who rely, I would underline that word, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. This is the key. If you rely, trust, bank on the works of the law to save you, you are still cursed. Still under God's judgment, under his wrath. And rely is a key word here because now rely is really opening up all kinds of channels of clarity for us now. Because we've heard Paul now for three chapters rail against circumcision as a terrible means to be saved and justified, declared righteous. But the keys rely. Because listen, circumcision isn't bad. It's not evil, it's not sinful, it's not wrong. God commanded it. In fact, this is what's wild. We saw earlier in the book of Galatians that Paul and Titus were on mission. Titus did not get circumcised. But Paul and Timothy later, they're on mission together. Timothy gets circumcised. Why didn't Paul oppose that? In fact, Paul encouraged it. Well, Timothy's half Jewish and they're gonna be doing ministry among Jews. And they didn't want that to be a point of contention among Jews. So Paul encourages Timothy to get circumcised so they can reach the Jews. Timothy got circumcised as a way to reach his fellow Jews, not as a way to become righteous. Neither Paul nor Timothy relied on it to make him righteous. And listen, I know you've heard me rail against all kinds of things that people in our area, especially Christians, think will make them righteous, make us better Christians, make us more accepted by God. Homeschooling. Now, you've heard me talk about homeschooling a lot. So much they're like, man, are, you, are people like attacking you with homeschooling? I'm like, well, not now, but maybe uh, they have before. I don't know. Listen, homeschooling, hear me, isn't evil. I don't want anybody to think that I think it's evil. It's good. It's a great thing. I, I, would, I, just, I get excited thinking about going on vacation whenever we'd want. It'd be incredible. We classical school, it's not evil. We love it. Being educated through public school, it's not an act of unrighteousness. But relying but relying on homeschooling as a badge of righteousness, as a better than otherness, Paul says is a curse, not a blessing. Relying on not drinking alcohol as a means to righteousness is really just drinking a 40 of self-righteousness. It's a curse. I'll give you a moment. (laughs) This is Paul's point. And this is really what I've been getting at, that, listen, in our church, and growing up, me, I relied on being a certain denomination. And some of us probably have too. I remember growing up Southern Baptist and thinking all other denominations, if you weren't SBC, you were weird. You probably weren't even saved. 
listen, no one taught that. No pastor got up and said, now remember guys, no one else meeting today is saved. We're the only saved. No one's teaching that. But it was just there, heard. It was the swagger that everybody had. Because I learned and I thought, if I relied on being Baptist as a way to be righteous, that means everyone who wasn't Baptist was unrighteous. I was relying on being Baptist as a way to be righteous because proven, because I thought being non-Baptist was unrighteous. If we rely on our spiritual disciplines as a way to be justified before God, we're cursed. And I really want you to be set free from what I'm about to say. Because some of us really struggle with assurance and doubt. Am I really saved? I mean, does God really love me? I mean, how do I know? You do not have to rely on having amazing quiet times for God to declare you not guilty, to justify you. Too many Christians doubt their forgiveness, doubt their gift of righteousness by grace because they aren't having awesome quiet times. Their prayer life is mediocre. Their Bible reading is sporadic. There's no fireworks. There's no harps. There's no angels. There's no breakthroughs. You read and you're like, I don't even know what just happened. There's no steady awesomeness. For all who rely on having awesome quiet times are under a curse. This is what Paul's getting after. If we rely on how much we obey or how good we are as a way to be accepted by God, we're living under a curse. And some of us, we just take this for granted. This is the blessing of grace. There was a dear lady in the first service, first time here, Roman Catholic, weeping. She had no idea God's mercy and his grace is this free. You don't have to rely on your spiritual stats. You rely on Christ. You don't have to rely on your spiritual stats. You rely on Christ. And there's so much here because our hearts are so twisted that, listen, we have to be careful that we don't rely on not relying. Let the, let the hearers understand. If we rely, rest, and not being legalistic, because we're like, oh, I'm not legalistic. Then you see a legalist, you're like, what a loser. No. (laughs) We become double agents, grace by day, legalist by night. This is not where we can head. Because we, if we rely on not relying, then we end up relying on not relying. Right? If, oh, you know, we're a church planting church. Or we don't have weird theology like that church down the street, like we think, or we don't have snow on our stage, you know, or whatever. As validation of our righteousness before God, it's the way of the curse. Homeschooling, Reformed theology, reading your Bible in a year, these are good things, but they are not meant to be relied on for righteousness. So what are you tempted to rely on? Assuring yourself that you are righteous because you do this, or you don't do this, or you've done this, or you don't sin in a particular way. Some of these things are really good. And listen, I'm not discouraging them. They just need to be reinterpreted. Reading your Bible in a year, or going on a mission trip, or praying, these are meant to be fruits of your reliance on Christ, not sources of reliance themselves. This is a huge difference. Because if you rely on your Bible reading, then you get busy, get sick, didn't read your Bible that day, gasp. I know what happens. Happens to me. 
pastor admitted he didn't read his Bible every day. It happens. Because my righteousness isn't found in my Bible reading. It's found in Christ. It's found in Christ. Those are meant to be fruits of our reliance on Christ, not sources of reliance themselves. Because anything other than Christ is a curse. Because we can never measure up. Look at the second half of verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written, Paul quotes the law, because the law itself says, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. If you've never taken a flexibility test, you should. You'll be shocked. I took one when I was about 27. I had the flexibility of a 75-year-old woman. but you compare me to the law, I'm a contortionist. I'm a gymnast compared to the law because the law is the least flexible reality in the universe. If you don't do everything the law says, done, cursed. No slack, no leeway, no mulligan, no do-over, no restart. The law is the law, there's no give. And what Paul quotes in verse 10, he's quoting Deuteronomy the last book of the Torah, of the law. And he's quoting the last verse and the last section of the curses. So catch all those lasts. Last book of the law, last curse of the law. Paul's saying, this is like the summary of the law. And it's Deuteronomy 27, 26, where it says, anyone who does not put the words of this law into practice is cursed. And all the people will say, amen. That seems like a weird thing to Amen. But back then, it just means we agree. We affirm that. And Paul quotes it. You don't do everything the law says, you're cursed. These curses that Paul from Deuteronomy 27 would have literally been whipped into Paul's mind. When you were whipped in the synagogue, being punished for a crime, they would read the curses from Deuteronomy 27 in between whips. And five times, Paul tells us elsewhere, he received 39 lashes. So whatever five times 39 is, Paul would hear in between lashes, you're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed. Literally, he's being whipped by the law and the law is yelling over him, you have failed. You are cursed. You don't measure up. Paul's theology is being shaped every time he received those lashes. If you want your effort to be the standard of your salvation, your accomplishments, you are under the curse. This is what the law brings. This is what effort brings. Cursing, whipping, beating. Because you have to keep all of it, which no one can except one who did. And if you don't do everything for all time, you're cursed. I, I love how in movies, you know, like cartoons and Looney Tunes, you see it. They have those counters in a factory. 47 days since an injury. How far do you think you could get if it was keeping track of sins, what would it measure by? Years? No. Would it measure by days? No. Hours? No. This thing would be measuring by minutes. Even if you made it, the counter of your life said, oh, he went 30 minutes today. Oh, oh, man, let's just be generous. He went 30 hours, the counter says. 30 hours without a sin. Let's go even crazy. He went 30 days without a sin. Amazing. Let's just, let's just be ridiculous. He went 30 years without a sin, the counter reads. 
But then one glance, one broken promise, one rise of anger, one glimmer of envy, and you'd hear the shudder of the counter, those tiles flapping, and they're not resetting. Now it's just one word, cursed. No redo, no restart. As James says, whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. One and done, guilty, cursed. But there is a way to be declared not guilty. Verse 11. Now it's clear, Paul says, I've proven from the law itself that no one is justified, declared not guilty declared righteous before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. No one gets declared not guilty before God by the law, but this way, the righteous will live by faith. Now, remember, we said last week, Paul, he's the best spiritual street fighter on the block. He's going against the false teachers in Galatia who are appealing to keeping the law, getting circumcised, that's how you get saved. And Paul has just shown from verse 10, you can't be saved by the law. Great, get circumcised. But if you break another part of the law, You lie about why you were late to your friend's house. You've never done that. Lie about why you were late to work. You lie about, oh, you're sick. You broke the rest of the law. Done. And now he shows by quoting from the law, and now he quotes Habakkuk, the righteous will live by faith. This is masterful work. Because Paul is showing, remember, he's quoting two sources, the law and now a prophet. By quoting, a law, by quoting the law, by quoting a prophet, Paul is saying, I'm summarizing the argument of the entire Old Testament because the law and the prophets, that's just a euphemism for the entire Old Testament. Paul says, I can prove to you from the law and the prophets that we are not saved by our works, but the righteous live by faith. What Paul is doing, he's saying, the Old Testament message is this, that sinners are saved by faith, not works that God declares sinners righteous by faith alone. He's telling us and the false teachers, this is not some, grace is not a new development in the New Testament. The Old Testament has been trending here all along, that the righteous, the justified, those who are in God's kingdom live by faith. No asterisks, no yeah buts, faith. Verse 12, but the law is not based on faith. Faith and the law go in opposite directions. They're on different planes. Law's not based on faith. Instead, the law says the one who does these things, the one who does these things will live by them. You live by the law, you die by the law. You live by faith, you live. The righteous live by faith. Meaning today for us, faith in the crucified and risen Christ Trust in him or relying on him. Remember that word, relying on him. This is what makes us righteous. This is why grace is so radical because we would expect it to say the righteous live by their righteousness because we know the wicked live by their wickedness. Wicked live by their disobedience. So we think it would say the righteous live by their obedience. That's like the logical, boom, 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 boom. But see, grace is... Grace is not some kind of just logical, okay, this means it comes from a different mind altogether, the mind of God. The righteous live by faith. 
That's Christianity. That our standing with God, our lives, our hope is built on nothing but Christ, faith in him alone. And from the moment you first believed, God credits to you the entire total package of Christ's righteousness. All the bells and whistles. Everything that's on Jesus' account is downloaded to you all by faith. And there's not one thing you can do to get more. And there's not one thing we have to do. There's not one thing we have to avoid to be taken out of it. Because we can't be brought back into the curse. Once you've been cursed out of the curse, there's no way to get back in. Because Christ became my curse. Christ became our curse. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. If we, this is one of our heartbeat verses. I mean, our church name, Redeemer Church. Christ redeemed us. Once we get this verse, Christianity and radical grace and living all out for Jesus begins to click and make more sense. That Jesus redeems us. And this word redeem is an everyday word in their context. They would use it every day in the market. Buying food, buying tools, buying vegetables, buying cloth. It just means to buy, to get back. We know this word redeem too. We redeem coupons. H-E-B, buying lunch, we got those little coupons dangling everywhere. You just take it. Yeah, I'm getting a dollar off right here. Boom. You redeem prizes. You go to will call and redeem tickets for a game or for a concert. And this word was also used in setting Roman slaves free. Pay the ransom, the redeem price set people free from the chains of slavery. What Paul is doing here is he's saying, listen, Christ, not circumcision. Christ, not your theology. Christ, not your Bible reading. Christ, not your obedience redeemed you from the curse of the law. So why in the world would you want to go back to anything else? Why would you think you need anything else? Christ redeemed you. He set you free from the chains of sin and the curse. Not circumcision, not law keeping, not mission trips, not your family worship, not anything we do. Jesus paid it all. And he redeems us, buys us, delivers us from the curse, which is God's wrath. And listen, he didn't do this like Superman, who, you know, Lois Lane is like tied to the railroad tracks again. And like he flies in and saves her in the nick of time. Not how, that's not how Jesus does it. It's not like the stories you hear of a fireman who, who goes in and he's rescuing people from this building and gets everybody out before the building collapses. That, that's not how it works. Keep reading verse 13. This is how it works. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. The building collapsed on Christ. He got us out in the nick of time. But the building, the superstructure of God's judgment on sin collapsed totally onto Christ. That's what's happening on the cross. He became a curse, becoming a curse for us. 
those two words, for us, these are two of the most important words in the Bible. That Jesus went to the cross and for you, took the penalty of your sins for you, for us, instead of us, in place of us, so we don't have to. He went as our substitute. And all of your sins and all the penalties they've incurred, the debt to God's judgment that you've racked up, Jesus says, I will redeem it. I will pay for it with my blood, with my life. I will bear the weight of your sin. Literally, I will become the curse that you deserve. Because look what Paul quotes now. He quotes from Deuteronomy again. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. When a criminal was convicted in Israel, sentenced to death, they would stone them first, pelt them with rocks till they died. And then they would drag their body out and hang it from a tree, showing this person received what was due to them. They are cursed by God because they broke his law. They took this seriously. You see this in the book of Joshua. Joshua defeats a group of kings and he puts, he says, put your foot on their necks, kill them, and then take their bodies and string them up on a tree. Saul does the same thing to his enemies because to be hung from a tree was a sign of you are cursed by God. When Jesus is nailed to that cursed timber, it's showing us he is cursed and he is cursed by God for us. This is the magnitude of the gospel, that the eternal, blessed, holy son of God was nailed to a Roman cross the cross wasn't like, oh, this is like this like crazy way to die. It was a crazy way to die. Like that's not just the, oh man, that's what was so wicked about it. A lot of people were crucified. But Christ being hung up there, this was the sign of he is now your curse. He's being hung from a tree to display to you that he has taken all of your sins. He's taken all of your unrighteousness, all of your disobedience, all of your law breaking, and he has become a curse for you. Jesus hangs from that cross saying, I am a cursed man. That's why he yells, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you could fill in the blanks of a father muttering under his breath, because you are cursed. And he was cursed so we could become blessed. Jesus became the cursed one so that you could become the blessed one. And this is the great love of Jesus. That, I mean, we think we love each other. We're great. On our best days, we will not even let people in, cut in our lane in traffic. We will barely serve our kids and our spouse and our friends. And Jesus receives the curse of God's judgment dying in our place. Those, you can imagine those hairy, knuckly, callous carpenter hands those hands that would take hold of a paralyzed man and heal him, those hands that would have eaten with tax collectors and sinners, those hands that washed his disciples' feet and broke the bread and lifted up the cup at the Last Supper with them, 
and those hands had iron spikes nailed through them, smashing bone and cartilage and skin, blood pouring out, hands going lifeless so he could become a curse on the cross for you, so you could be saved. Why would we want to go to anything else? Why would we think we need anything else to rely on anything else? He raises again from the dead, showing it worked. The Father has accepted the payment. It is done. Rely on me. Is that what you rely on today? What are you looking to today to make you righteous? Some of us may have thought, I need to go to church today. I need to, I need to you know, get my life back in order. Half's right. I need to go to church today. You know, I, I've been in a while and I, I better go. You know, God's gonna be upset with me. Come to church doesn't make you righteous. What do you rely on today? Rely on Christ. Anything else is a curse. When you doubt, because I, I know it happens, we doubt. When you doubt, don't look in the mirror. You look at the Messiah. You look at Christ and you see the cross, the curse, you see the empty tomb and you see I am saved because I rely on Christ. And, and notice the, the tense of verse 15, that Christ redeemed, it's done, it's over. If you believe it's already done, nothing else is needed. Circumcision doesn't finish it. Having awesome quiet times and Bible reading doesn't seal your redemption. Jesus already did it. You're free. There's no leveling up needed. And if you have faith, you are redeemed from the curse of the law. And now all the blessings of Abraham, the covenants of eternity are yours in Christ. Verse 14. The purpose was that Jesus did all of this, that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles, non-Jews, by Christ Jesus, no other way, so that we would receive the promised spirit through faith. You now have the blessing of Abraham. He has many sons, you are one of them. Daughters, you're one of them. So do the hokey pokey or whatever the rest of the song says. Non-Jews receiving the promises made to Abraham because of Jesus Christ, not through law-keeping. Just the Messiah. Just the Messiah of Gentiles and Jews. He's the only way the task gets done. Jesus is the only way you get out of the curse. He's the only way you get hashtag blessed. That's why I love the lyrics from the song, There is a Mountain by Caroline Cobb. There is a mountain only the lame can climb. There is a table only the hungry find. Only the beggar will have the currency when need is all you need. Come to the mountain. He carries the cripple to the feast. Come to the table. Come sit. He saved you a seat. Come and eat and drink without money and without cost. He has paid it on the cross. Don't rely on yourself and what you can accomplish. You will be cursed. But rely on Christ. 
Anything else will be more catastrophic than a nuclear silo exploding in your backyard. Because apart from Christ, you will be cursed forever. But in Christ, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of God is yours. And so maybe today you need to look on Christ and rely on Christ for the first time. Maybe today will be the day of salvation for you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to achieve anything. All you must do is believe. Believe that Christ redeems you from the curse of the law. Christ's death, his resurrection, that's what saves me. And you will be redeemed. And if you are a Christian today, what we need to do is have a fresh reliance on Christ again. Shedding the snake skins of legalism we've acquired over the years and going back to seeing the purity of Christ alone. I remember I had an accountability group a few years back and we started every session with this. Christ alone and none of my works makes me righteous before God. And the next guy would say it. Christ alone and none of my works makes me righteous before God. And then it'd be my turn. Christ alone and none of my works makes me righteous before God. Let that be the mantra over your life. Rely totally on Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, we praise you. you you've done it all for us, Lord. I can't do anything to earn acceptance with the Father. I will receive eternal life because of you. I read my Bible because of you. I'm here because of you. I pray because of you. I'm praying now because of you. And even when I don't know how to pray, Lord, your spirit teaches me how to pray. I will receive the inheritance waiting for me because of you. I will live forever on the new earth because of you. It's all because of you, Jesus. Jesus, help us to rely on you. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name. The Lamb has overcome. And it's in your mighty name we pray, King Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.